All right. Well, welcome to the Ridge um, in person here and online. Man, we are so glad that you are here today. And let me tell you, I'm just ready. Y'all ready for a message today? We're just going to dive right in, okay? So go ahead, open up the message notes in your app. Go ahead and open up the app online. Get ready. Let's just jump right in. No um, opening announcements or anything. And here's where I want to start, okay? You are meant to be a bivocational minister of Jesus. Let, Let me say that again. You're meant to be a minister for Jesus. One more time. You are meant and called to be a minister. Now, what in the world am I talking about? If you have been with us over the past few weeks, you know that we've been in this series called The Perfect Fit, okay? And, and we're trying to talk through what it means to find our purpose in life. Like, what's the point of everything, right? What does it mean to live into God's plan? Because we believe that God has called us. And if we believe that God has called us, if we believe that God has a purpose, then sometimes we get a little confused and we walk around wondering what that is. Like, what does it mean to be called by God? What does it mean to live into what God has for me next? And so we've been talking through that. And some of the things, even though we're all uniquely made and even though he's got a plan for each one of us, some of the things we all share are in common, okay, that we're called to do, okay? And the first thing we said on the first week, is that we're called to be loved by God. We are called to be in a relationship with Jesus, okay? And it's something that we need to work on. It's something we need to grow into, right? And it's something that we need to uh, continually strengthen, that relationship we have. The second thing we said is that we need to be a part of a church family. We are called to be one with each other to help us grow. Um, And then last week, we talked about what it means to become more like Jesus, and that's really important, like to understand who he is and what he wants and, and to become more like him each and every day. So the thing that I want to talk to you about this morning is that I believe that we are all called also to be a minister, okay? And that's where I want to go today. And let me start off by saying that this idea for me and what it means to be a minister, it's changed over the last couple of, like, for the last decade. And let me explain what I mean by that. Okay, this past year, um, I was put on two different committees um, for the Board of Ordain Ministry. Okay, I was put on one for the district level and also for the conference level. So what that means is, and, and I'll tell you the, the, what, what it says um, in the job kind of description of it. Uh, basically what it is, is it's giving oversight for enlisting, assessing, and credentialing ministers in the United Methodist Church of the South Georgia Conference. Okay, so last Thursday I'm in a meeting and I'm having a great time. I'm listening to pastors talk about their ministry experience. And as I'm sitting there um, going through this process of, you know, listening to other ministers, I I began to remember the process that I went through to become a minister in the United Methodist Church, and everything I had to do to be ordained. And I'm so glad when I, that I did it when I was young because there was quite a long process to kind of get through. And I kind of want to share a little bit of that process and how it's changed my understanding of what a minister means has changed over the past couple of years. It all started when I was 24, 20 years ago, okay? And just to begin the process, I had to sit in front of the district level to be approved, right? And I remember that meeting came after a weekend youth trip that I had just led, and my voice was shot from yelling at the kids the entire weekend. And so I walked into that meeting, and I was talking like this, like I could barely get anything out. And so they were like, Jimmy, tell us about your ministry. And I was like, I love it. I know I sound like I'm dying, but it's great. <laughs> and I tried, and you know, they, they approved me, of course, and... Um, 
I was assigned as a minister. Um, an oversight was given to me at Cordial First Methodist Church, and I was given a supervisor that kind of walked through ministry with me. And I'll never forget my first sermon at Cordial First Methodist Church. And back when I was younger, I had this nasty habit, and I still kind of do this sometimes, but I walk around and I do this little bounce thing. And I used to walk right up to the edge and hang my feet over. And I think I might have shared this a while back. And in case you haven't heard this story, I'll share it again. But uh, I would get right up to the edge, and I would do this little bounce forward. And when I did, I almost, my very first sermon, I almost fell off the stage. In fact, I did one of these numbers, just like that. And I caught myself right before I did. Okay, and it reminds me of a joke. Um, do y'all want to hear a joke? Yeah? Okay, good. It doesn't matter. Even if you don't, I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, there's this young pastor, and he was preaching for the first time from the book of Revelation. He was so excited about it. So he gets up in front of the crowd, and he's like, Behold, I am coming. And there was nothing out of the crowd. So he tried it again, second time. He was like, I gotta get, I gotta get a reaction. I gotta yell this. So he yelled it even louder. He's like, Behold, I am coming. Get ready. And nothing. Third time, man, he yells it one more time. This time he really leaned into it and he says, Behold, I am coming. And just then the lectern gave way and he spilled out into the crowd and he fell into the lap of this elderly woman sitting on the front row. And he jumped up and he looked at her and he said, Man, I am so sorry. And she said, Pastor, it's okay. You warned me three times. She said, I should have been ready. <laughs> I love it. Well, I didn't spill out of the pulpit, but I came close. It was rough getting started. So after Cordial, I went to seminary for three years because that's part of the process. And each year you had to come back and sit before the district committee. And then after seminary, I was placed at St. Luke United Methodist Church downtown for my first appointment, but still not done with the whole process. I still had to go through three more years of supervised ministry, of writing papers, of meeting with groups, basically writing this dissertation. And then I had to sit in front of the board for the South Georgia Conference to answer final questions for my approval. And then, after eight years, I was finally ordained in the United Methodist Church. And I'll still remember... The day, it all happened at St. Luke. I was blessed to be ordained as a United Methodist minister at St. Luke, my home church, because annual conference was being held there. And so that Sunday, I got to put on my robe, and I wore it, and I was so happy to get to wear it. And then not only that, I had been wearing a robe, but the big deal was that I got to wear a stole, because this, this was something that you had to earn and work through, and my dad actually was the one that put on my stole. And so there I was. How do I look? Am I glowing? Can you tell? Can you tell? Can you see the glow? I mean, I, I'm, I actually, if you look real close, I'm floating just a tad. You know, I was so, I was like, ah, you know, like I felt so good about this. I'm finally a minister in the United Methodist Church. I was like, dude, I'm just going to wear this around town. Like I'm just going to, could you imagine me walking into Walmart and going, ah, just walk up to people, just bless them for no reason, you know. <laughs> walk up to pay for stuff and the line just parts for me, Right. I should try that on Black Friday. I wonder if that really would work. But I was so excited, right? And, and finally, I got to wear this. And finally, I was approved to be a minister. And then, and then I accepted the appointment to start the Ridge. 
And so I took this off. And I put this back in the closet. And then I took this off. And I put this back. And I traded it on Sundays for blue jeans and tennis shoes. And then everybody started looking at me and they were like, are you really a minister? And I was like, yeah, I promise you I am. I've got the robe to prove it. <laughs> you want me to go put it on? But you know, something started to change for me. Everything changed when I took this appointment. And people started looking at me like, I don't know, are you really a minister? Because you don't look like the minister I'm used to, and you don't talk in that thou shalt not kind of language that I'm used to when we were growing up. But something shifted. Now, what I'm about to say next, I'm going to move this out of the way so it's not too distracting, but what I'm about to say next, I don't want to take anything away from the process that I had to go through because it meant a lot to me, obviously, and it made me into the leader that I am today. However, I realized something that I want to share with you. You see, I realized that I'm not the only minister here at the Ridge. What I am and what I'm called to be is an administrator of ministers. And here's what that means. I thought, I thought that in order to be a minister, everything I just walked through was what I needed to do. But truth is, we're all called to be ministers. That means you and me. You, you see, there's a difference between ministering and pastoring. And, and admittedly, for a long time, I was a little unclear on this. And maybe you are too. So, so let me just kind of explain things. We're all ministers, but we're not all pastors. My job is to lead. My job is to pastor. My job is to give administration to all the ministers that we have here at the Ridge. So when somebody asks you how many ministers do we have at the Ridge, you should tell them about 400 because that's how many we have on the roll, right? Because we're all called to be in ministry. Now, the reason that I'm saying that you're called to be a minister is because you're called to be in service. That's part of finding out how we fit in with God and his plan, okay? And, and the way that you serve is your ministry. You see, Jesus has this perfect fit for you. You know, when God created you, he didn't just create you to take up space, right? To live this self-centered life, just to think about yourself and like, what am I gonna do tomorrow? Like, what, what's next for me? No, no, no. God put you here, each one of us, to make, to make an important contribution to his kingdom, you know, bringing God's kingdom here on earth. He put you here to serve. And how you serve each and every day is your ministry. In fact, the word servant and minister are pretty much the same thing in the Bible. And they're used interchangeably, okay? So we're all called to be ministers. And the beauty of this, and the reason that I share all that, is that you don't have to wait to be a minister, you don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to write papers. You don't have to sit in front of the board of ordained ministry. You're called to be a minister right here, right now, every day to serve others. Some of you are like, cool, can I borrow your robe? Nope. I mean, yeah, if you want to, if you want to give it a shot, go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to see you walk in public and see if the, you know, if the lines part for you. That'd be fine. But we're all called to be ministers. And and back to what I said before, you're called to be a bivocational minister of Jesus. What does that mean? Well, it's kind of like wearing bifocals. Y'all know what bifocals are? I'm not there yet, 
but I will be for too long. Bifocals are when you can see something near and see something far at the same time, right? Well, what happens with us is that we are meant to be in ministry with Jesus no matter where we are, and we do it. We live out that call in two ways. Every day, we serve others and we honor God. We serve others and we honor God. That means that if you're a truck driver, or if you're an attorney, or if you're a janitor, you're a nurse, or you're a homemaker, or you're a banker, you work at Synovus, you work at Tesis, or Global Systems, or, or whatever. Whatever you do, you do it for two reasons. You do it to serve others, and you do it to honor God. That means that everything I do in life, I'm called to be in ministry. I'm called to be a minister. I'm called to serve. Let me give you two pieces of scripture that go along with this. So if you got your message notes open, let's look at this real quick. First one comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Peter says this. He's talking to the church, and he says, You are priests of the king. Look at that word, priests of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. All this so that you might show to others how God has called you out of darkness and into his light. Peter's saying, you are God's very own. Now, you may remember this. We started off the series going, you know what? God created you. He wants you to be a part of his family. You are children of God, right? And then he goes on to say, this means that you are priests of the king. Okay, this is where we get the priesthood of all believers. This is so important that we get this. And some of you, even though you see verses like this, and I'm telling you you're a minister, and I'm telling you you're meant to be a priest for Jesus wherever you go and to serve others and to honor God, some of you are still like, but how does that work in my life? Like, I'm not a minister. I don't work at the church every day, Jimmy. What does that look like? Well, Paul tells us in Colossians 3, look at this. Look at this next verse. Hey, Paul gives us this these words of wisdom here. He says, whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, wherever you are, whatever you're going to do tomorrow, whatever you do on a Monday that starts your work week, wherever you punch your clock, whatever it is, it can be a ministry. It can be an opportunity to serve others and to honor God. In fact, Here's a good way. I've, I've, shared a, I've shared some of this with my Wednesday night Zoom group, and I just want to share it with everybody here, but this is so important. Menial tasks can become meaningful tasks when I do it out of love for God, when I do it as a ministry. That means that everything I do in life can become significant, and this is true no matter what it is. For instance, let's say you're in a meeting. You're in a meeting at work, and after the meeting is over, everybody gets up and everybody leaves, and everybody leaves their trash because it's not my job. Right, We've got people. We've got a cleaning crew that comes in and takes care of that. But it can be a ministry if you take 30 seconds just to go around and pick something up. And if you do that, what happens is you're serving. And you know what? Understanding this, understanding the fact that we are all called to be ministers, not just me, but you too, it's so important in understanding how we fit into God's plan. Because again, you weren't called just to be saved by God. Okay, you, that's a big part of it. Okay, that's the whole reason Jesus came was to save you and to be in a relationship with you. But even more than that, once you're saved, man, you're meant to serve. You're meant to serve God. You're meant to make a difference. Let me give you one more verse that kind of drives this point home. Paul, looking back at his life in Galatians, he says this, but God 
in his grace, he chose me before I was born. Remember how we talked about God created us, he chose us, he knows us by name, even before we were born, he called us. And what did he call Paul to, to do? He says, he called me to serve him. Truth is, he calls all of us to serve. And, it, and again, this is a big deal because when you realize that you're created to serve, to be a minister for him, and when you realize that that can happen anywhere and at any time and with anyone, it brings amazing benefits. I want to share a couple of these with you. Point number one is this. If you got your message notes open, let's fill in some blanks. Great moments in ministry. This is what happens when we learn to serve. Number one, I have more joy. I get more joy. And we need more joy right now, don't we? You know, when it comes to finding joy, when it comes to finding happiness, the problem is, is that we look for joy and we look for happiness in all the wrong places. We look for pleasure or power or possessions or positions or prestige or popularity. What's another P word I could use? But I think you get the picture. And there's one. Those things don't bring happiness. And a lot of those things right now have been taken away from us, Right? Those things can't bring joy. Why? Because they're all temporary. Joy comes, joy comes when we learn to give our life away, when we're serving one another. And God wired us in such a way that it brings more joy because it makes us more Christ-like, right? It's because it gives us more of the heart of Christ, and that's where the joy, that's where the happiness is, right? So let's talk about Christmas. We, we've been talking about Christmas the last couple of weeks because everybody's so ready um, for Christmas season, and I know you're all listening to Christmas music way too early. But Christmas, the reason I think everybody is looking so forward to this Christmas is because we want more joy, and Christmas and joy kind of go together, don't they? But not always. Not always. If you want more joy over the holidays, if you want more joy anytime. Man, here's, here's what it means. Take the focus off yourself. Truth is, the more you focus on yourself, the more miserable you're going to be. We got to be willing. We got to be willing to shift our focus and serve. Life has to be more than just about me and what I'm going to do next or what I can get next out of life, right? It's got to be more than that. It's got to be about serving others and how can I honor God? And when we get that, and we learn what that means for me every day, no matter where I am, no matter who I'm with, then, then I'll experience more joy. Again, a great example of this was Paul. Paul said this in Philippians 2.17. For those of you who are in my Wednesday night group, you'll remember this. Paul said, my life is being poured out as a part of the sacrifice and service I offer to God for your faith. Okay, pause real quick. Paul's in prison when he is writing this letter. Okay, and as he's writing this, even in prison, he says, if I die here, if I die here, I have sacrificed everything I have in order to be in service to you. So even staring death in the face, even waiting for what's next for him in prison, he writes this. He says, yet I am filled with what? Joy. I am filled with joy. And I want to share that joy with you. He is filled with joy, even in that moment. Why? Because he's still serving every change. He's still in ministry. Even prison couldn't keep him from finding a way to be in ministry wherever he was and to be a minister every way that he can, even if it meant writing letters 
and helping other people out. You see, I believe, I, I truly believe that the most helpful people are the happiest people. You know, you know the, the people who are helpful and just jump in in life and want to be a blessing, those, those people are the happiest people. I think that if we want to be happy, if we want more joy, we got to be helpful. It's just, again, it's the way God wired us. In this church, this church is always filled with joy. Because I'm always amazed at how well everybody responds when it comes to serving. You know, speaking of Christmas, um, we always look for a mission opportunity every Christmas. And last year, you know, we chose two ministry opportunities, a new one, Anne Elizabeth Shepherd Home and Rose Hill. And we asked for y'all to help us fund those ministries for a year. So we took up a collection in December. And not only did y'all give enough for a year, but you gave for two years, over and beyond what was it, doubled what we were looking for. It's amazing. So this year, we were like, what's the new one that we could do this year? And so we've chosen two different opportunities. There's the foster care system here in Columbus. And then there are teenagers that are going through chemo treatments at the Children's Hospital of Atlanta. And little Lexi, the one that we've been praying with and working with and supporting through her chemo treatments, she just came out of that. She is helping us organize to get gifts to those children in the hospital, which is just amazing. And so I talked to Ann, and Ann is the one, Ann and Don Webb are, are putting this thing together. And she was like, you know, what, what do we think? About 30 families Mike can help. And so we started out with 30, and y'all filled that up within like four days. Done. 30 is over. <laughs> We've already busted through that goal. And so that, some of y'all are probably sitting there going, but wait, I haven't had a chance yet. Some of you online, you're like, but I want to I be a part of it. it. Go ahead. We've got more that are on there. You can register you can register on the app, and you can go, and what we're just encouraging people is um, you'll be in touch, and we'll be in touch with you and help you um, with all the, the supplies and the gifts that you need for each child, and then we're going to ask for you to go shopping and hold on to those and bring them to the Ridge office in early December. In fact, we're giving you a Sunday morning to shop at Target, okay? A Sunday morning, again, where you get to go to Target instead of being in church, which I know some of you have done anyway. This time you have an excuse, okay? Uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, you know, the big shopping weekend, we thought, you know what, we're just going to do online only. We're going to ask everybody to go out to the store and just use it as an opportunity to shop as a family for somebody else. Because here's the reason why. When you do it and you get the focus off yourself and off your little circle and maybe even off your own family and you look at other people and an opportunity to serve, it will bring more joy. I truly believe that God blesses us and puts us in situations so that we can be a blessing, so that we can be a ministry to the people around us, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. And when you do it, and when you look for a way each and every day, even at your work, to serve somebody else, it brings more joy in that situation. Point number two. Point number two is this, my relationships will improve, okay? If I learn what it means to serve and to be a minister wherever I am, my relationships will improve because that's just what happens when you serve other people. It improves relationships. And the reason it does that is because the root of all the problems we have with other people is selfishness, right? Most of the time, the problem that we have with other people, you can boil it down to pride and selfishness. 
I mean, think about it. The last argument you got into with a family member, with a coworker, with your spouse, it probably went something like this. I want what I want when I want it, and you want what you want when you want it, and because we can't agree, and because neither one of us you know, will move any, well, then I'm upset. That's how we operate so many times. Proverbs 13.10, this is a good verse to, um, to memorize. Pride only leads to arguments. And that's the truth. You, you could put this away right now. You could memorize this before you even leave today. And you probably need to put that in your memory bank because this is so true. When you got an ego, you got conflict. When you're being selfish, truth is you're not serving like you should be. The more you practice getting yourself out of the way and learning what it means to be a minister and to serve the people around you, the only thing that it can do is improve that relationship and improve the relationships with everybody around you. You know, I think of every Sunday and the people that come here and serve with others at the Ridge. I think about the sound guys that come and make sure that everything is doing well for in here so that we have the best sound possible. I think about the lighting crew, a.k.a. Robbie. What's up, man? And then I think about the video crew, Clay, down here, and the band that comes every morning to, to, to get ready and to play and to lead us in worship, and for the cleaning crew that comes, and the volunteers, Laney and, and Dawn Trawick, and just everybody that comes. I, I guarantee you that they would say the best part of being and serving is that it improves and it builds relationships. The best part is serving with everybody else. I, I tell you, I get a lot of fun. On, I have a lot of fun on Sunday mornings. But the most fun I have is when I'm putting stuff up and I'm serving with these guys because these guys and girls, they, they just crack me up. They are so much fun to be with. I gotta tell you this. Being on a serving team is amazing. And if you're serving uh, if you're not serving on Sunday mornings, but you're coming to in-person service, let me know if you want to be a part of one, and Don Trawick will be in touch with you. We'd love to have you. But it's a blessing when you learn to be a minister and serve other people. The only thing that happens is that it builds relationships, and it makes them better. Point number three is this. My life has more meaning. My life is meaningful when I learn to be a ministry. Again, Ministry, it doesn't come from the other things that we associate meaning with. For instance, like money. Meaning doesn't come with money. It doesn't come from popularity. It doesn't come from getting more likes on social media or anything like that. And you know what? I know a lot of people that have plenty of money. And they would probably say, yeah, sure, money you know, can do some great things. And it can open up more opportunities. And it can make life a little easier. But it doesn't give your life meaning. No amount of money will ever give your life meaning because meaning comes from ministry. It comes from giving your life away. Let me give you a great verse from 1 Corinthians. Paul writes this. He says, always give yourselves completely to the work of the Lord. That word for completely, it means like not half-hearted, okay? It means jumping all in. It means we're not wading in in the shallow end. We are jumping, we are cannonballing into the deep end. Why? Because you belong to the Lord. And you know that when you do that, your work is not worthless. That word also means empty. It means shallow. It means without purpose. I find meaning, I only find meaning, and I find the most meaning in life when I learn to be a ministry. And again, 
anything you do for Jesus serves a purpose. And I know it might seem insignificant, and I know everyone else might not even notice it. You might not get recognized for it, but everything I do when I do it to serve someone else and honor God is meaningful. Jesus said it this way. He said, even if you give a glass of water to somebody else, Jesus is like, you're doing that for me. And that's an incredible way to think about it. You know, when it comes to our vacations, I told Shannon the other day, I was like, man, I can't ever remember everything that happens on our vacations. I'm like, I- I'm going to need, my memories get worse the older I get. I need to take pictures of everything, like even in the restaurants we eat, because, I, you know, I just can't remember everything. But I will tell you this. Every vacation we've ever been on, when we took a moment to serve, we've had those vacations where we look for a day to be in service somewhere. Every time we serve I remember it. And I'll tell you this, it made it more meaningful because that's what serving does, doesn't it? When we learn to be in ministry, it creates more joy. It improves relationships. It makes life more meaningful. And then one last thing, point number four is this. Point number four is that it leaves a legacy. My life is a legacy. When you learn to be a minister, you leave a mark. Actually, you leave two legacies. You leave one on earth and one in heaven. One in eternity. And honestly, the one on earth, it's going to fade over time. It just is, right? Three generations from now, they're not going to remember you or or everything that you did. And that's okay because the real reward is being in service to other people and focusing on eternity with Christ. Because that's the one that goes on and on and on and on forever. So, So let me ask you this real quick. Just kind of chew on this over the next few days. What do you want to be remembered for? Like, seriously, think about that. What is my legacy going to be? What is my legacy going to be? What are people going to say about me when I'm gone? What are they going to say the most about you? Are they going to say that you lived your life for other people? Are they going to be able to say that you served, that you ministered as much as you possibly could. Are they going to look at your life and say, yeah, I know she was a teacher, but you should have seen the way she loved those kids. Like, I know that he worked at the bank, but man, you should have seen every time I walked in, he had a smile and he went out of his way and he was just a blessing to everybody. What do you want to be known for? Truth is, We all want our lives to count. Like, we all want meaning. We all want to do something significant. And you know what? Jesus knew that we would want that. And that's okay. That's a good thing. So Jesus helps us with this, and he tells us in Matthew 20, 26. He tells us the way to leave a legacy. He says, listen, if you want to be great, if you want people to keep talking about you long after you're gone, you got to be the servant of all the others. The more you learn to be in ministry and what that means for you, the greater you'll be. So again, this this is an important part. And it took me a while to realize that I don't have to wear a robe and you don't have to wear a robe and I don't have to wear a stole and you don't have to wear a stole. Because we can be a ministry wherever we, are, wherever we are, anywhere, at any time, with anyone. Ministry is when I learn how to serve others and honor God. And the beauty of this, of being bivocational, 
is that when I serve, I get these great moments in life, no matter where I am. I get to have more joy. I get to have better relationships. I get to have more meaning, and I will leave a legacy. It's a win-win. So, as we leave here today, maybe let this be a topic of conversation. How, how am I serving others and honoring God? How am I serving others and honoring God? What's my ministry? How do I live that out? I hope you figure that out because it's an important part of finding the perfect fit. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much that you love us like you do. Jesus, I just thank you that you give us a chance to be a ministry, that you entrust us to serve you, God, that you have given us the responsibility to be in ministry wherever we are. God, that we are actually called to be ministers of the gospel. It's amazing. So Jesus, would you just open our hearts and our minds so that we would find opportunity each day, wherever we are, God, whatever we're doing to, to just be someone that serves others and honors you. Because we understand that when we live our life as a ministry, God, we, we get more joy. We, we build up the relationships around us. We have more meaning. And God, we want to leave that legacy. So, so Jesus, our prayer this morning is just to open us up to new opportunities, to serve and to be a ministry for you. It's something that you've called each one of us to do. And it's an important part of finding how we fit in with you. God, thank you for loving us like you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen.